Seeing the crowds, he went up on the mountain, and when he sat down, his disciples came to him. And he opened his mouth and taught them, saying, Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are those who mourn, for they shall be comforted. Blessed are the meek, for they shall inherit the earth. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they shall be satisfied. Blessed are the merciful, for they shall receive mercy. Blessed are the pure in heart, for they shall see God. Blessed are the peacemakers, for they shall be called sons of God. Blessed are those who, per- who are persecuted for righteousness' sake, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are you when others revile you and persecute you and utter all kinds of evil against you falsely on my account. Rejoice and be glad, for your reward is great in heaven, for they so persecuted the prophets who were before you. So the thing that really sticks out to me is like, that's cool, all those Beatitudes. But as I, as I went back and, and looked through it, um, the one thing that stuck out to me the most is the way Jesus, from the start of his teaching on the Sermon on the Mount, flips the authority structure on its head. So when Jesus went up to the mountain and he began to teach them, what did he do? He sat down. So when Jesus does that, he flips the authority and the teaching structure of the time on its head. Because when they would go to the synagogues, you would have the person standing like I am before you and just sit there and preach and preach and preach and preach and everybody else sat down. And it exalted the person above the people that he was teaching. But Jesus flips that on its head, sits down and says, I am the people and I'm going to teach you on my level. And I just think that's really beautiful, the way that Jesus just so calmly and eloquently comes in, sits down, and begins to teach. And what's the first thing that he teaches? Can somebody read it? Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom in heaven. So... So we should remember this one. Uh, you guys know who Billy Graham is, right? Um, big time televangelist, founded the Christianity Today magazine, respected and, and followed by millions and millions of Christians, right? He said that if you take the poor, boom, take poor away and put humble, that you would have a better idea of what Jesus is saying there. Blessed are the humble in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. But, where is your spirit? In your heart, right? So, when this teaching was happening, everybody's belief at the time believed that this right here, the center of your chest, was your whole existence, your spirit, everything, your heart, everything. So I wanted to take that a step further uh, and take away spirit and put heart. And I really, truly feel like if you read it that way, it says, blessed are the humble in heart. You get a real good, it's different, and you get a really good, uh, really good inclination of what Jesus is saying. Don't be angry, don't be boastful, but be, be humble in your heart, right? 
Okay, uh, what's the next one? Blessed are those who mourn, for they will be comforted. So when you, when you say mourning, right, you think of a couple of different things. You think of like, wow, look at the sun, beautiful morning sun, come through those windows and cast its light upon us, and it's still blinding but warming at the same time. But then there's another kind of mourning. What's the other kind of mourning? Grief. Grief. Yeah. So, blessed... are those who grieve. Blessed are those who grieve. Isn't that pretty crazy to know that when you grieve something, you're blessed just because you're grieving? It's kind of a bitter pill to swallow. What do you mean I'm blessed? I'm th this is the saddest I've ever been in my life. Somebody just that I love and care about just passed away and I'm not, you know, that whole, I'm never going to see him again, but blessed are those who, who grieve. I wonder if the official Greek translation or whatever, uh, grieving the loss of a person or. That's just, I'm just making a parallel reference to, to, and try to bring up the understanding of grief. I'm, I'm not sure about yeah, I the. Guess, uh, I just wondered if it would mean those who suffer. Yeah. That's where I was going next. The, the, the grief, the, the blessed of the grief or the blessed of those who mourn. Do any of you mourn the, the missing of a time in your life? Do you guys ever go back and be like, man, I really miss when that was happening. When I was a part of that thing, I mourn that loss. I mourn that it's over. No? I see some nodding their head yes and some nodding their head no, right? Um, one of the things that I mourn is the time that I lived with my dad and my uncle because I had really good direct relationship with them. I don't have that relationship anymore. My dad's in Arizona and my uncle's dead. Or I mourn the time when I actually had a full-on family, like in Southern California. I'd go to one grandparent's for Christmas Eve and one grandparent's for for Christmas Day, and I was a part of this whole big, but we're all gone and scattered to the wind now. So now, as I mourn that, I try to take that blessing that I had and bring it up with what I'm doing with my kids now. Try to, try to push forth a good, healthy family and community with them. Uh, what's next? This one might take a little space. This one we spent a lot of time on when we did it. Uh, when we did it one by one and we spent... Uh, what, is, what is meek? Humble. Humble, okay, yeah. Yeah, what else is meek? Gentle. Open. Empathetic. Empathetic. Ooh. Vulnerable. 
One more time. Vulnerable. Learnable. Teachable. Vulnerable. Vulnerable. Teachable. Quiet. One more time. Loving. Loving. One more time. Listener. What about strong? Is that meek? Strength. Strength. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So at one point in time, Moses was called the meekest person in the Bible. Moses was a savage. He was a leader. He stood up to Pharaoh. He had courage. It's something that I read in, in an article or somewhere in my, in my very uh, uh, diving into all of this. I can't name a name. He also had a stutter. He had a speech impediment. But yet he, he led all of Israel out of Egypt. Um, he was a savage. He was a leader. He was everything that you would not think of with meek. Because when you use the term meek today, you automatically think of somebody who is going to, or at least I do, somebody who's going to sit in the corner and, not be, and just be really quiet and not engage with anybody Oh, the, the misconception of somebody who's meek is somebody who's easily overpowered. But with Moses being considered one of the meekest people in the Bible, that kind of flips that on, the, on its head, right? Okay, what's next? another word for righteousness. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they shall be filled or satisfied. Justice. But who's justice? So, blessed are those who hunger and thirst for justice. Welcome. Uh, blessed are those who hunger and thirst for, for justice, uh, for they shall be satisfied. Whose justice are we hungering and thirsting for, though? God's. But how do we know, you know, there's a lot of different ways that you can look at that. Do you look at the, the fact of like, God, I want you to come and smite these guys. Is that God's justice or our justice? Are we asking God to enact our justice in his name? Yeah, right? Who, who here has been guilty of that? <laughs> right? Right? Especially this week. Justice. So how, how do we seek God's justice? God's justice. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, or God's justice shall be satisfied. So do, when we actually see God's justice in the world, are we actually satisfied, or do we hunger and thirst for more? I thirst for more. 
Because when I see that door open, I'm like, God, you are the you are the gatekeeper. You are the master. You hold all the keys. You can open all these doors. Open some more. And whoever is not holding up their end of the deal, kick them in the teeth. Oh, wait, that's my justice. Right? So when we hunger and thirst for righteousness, we need to hunger and thirst for God's righteousness. Because when we seek our own righteousness or our own kingdoms, that's when we fail. But when we truly seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, we're unstoppable. What's next? Mercy. Last time we talked about this, Sharon had something that she said. Can you say it again? Mercy is, mercy is not getting what you deserve. Grace is getting what you don't deserve. Who here has been shown mercy? Who here has shown mercy? I love that you raised your hand. A little bit. It's so much easier to receive mercy than it is to give it, right? Yeah. Well, if they do this, I'll give them the $20 that they need. Does letting Max cheat on, on card games um, count as mercy? <laughs> so, this, <laughs> it depends on how you look at it. Because um, then are you seeking your justice or God's in letting a kid win? Ooh. <laughs> um, mercy. So me coming from a life of addiction and incarceration and homelessness and stuff, mercy was something that I was shown a lot. I had people give me money. Um, I had people buy me food. I had people do all kinds of things for me. But when the shoe got put on the other foot, I didn't want to pull out my wallet anywhere. But it's funny how God changes that. Because I remember one time uh, going to a staff meeting at Tierra Nueva, I was running to the bank to cash a check and I see this homeless couple from Hagen's and Burlington walking with like their five shopping carts and their three dogs and they're walking down the road. They've been camped out in front of Hagen's for a while. Um, and I made eye contact with them and I heard God go, you need to give them 20 bucks. I'm like, nah, <laughs> nah. So I go to the bank and I'm like in the, uh, I, we had just opened up a checking account at another bank and my mobile app wasn't working. Um, so, cause I had tried to deposit a check and it wasn't working. And so I went to that bank and I go in and get all that fixed, deposit the check. And I'm driving down Spruce street to, to my staff meeting. And there's that couple again, walking down Spruce street and God goes, give them $20. Like, so I had this vision of me just kind of pulling up and rolling down my window and going, Hey, here you go and throwing $20 out the window and not engaging with them. And I drove away. Nah. Didn't throw out the $20, nothing. Didn't do any of that stuff. I get to get to work, go through our staff meeting. Um, it was right at the time where my son's cancer diagnosis came out. Uh, and so staff just got done praying for me. I'm crying like a little kid. And I get up and I look out. There's glass doors there at the sanctuary at Nueva. I get up and I look out the doors and there's that couple again staring right at me. And God goes, Where's that $20? I know you got it in your pocket. I was with you when you went to the bank. I was with you telling you on the stride that you needed to show this couple mercy and that you needed to help them. 
fine, whatever. And I go storming out the door and running down the road, chasing them, going, hey, hey, hey. They're looking at me like I'm going to, you know, yell at them for just existing. Um, and I walked up and I told the guy, I said, hey, God told me I needed to give you $20. And I didn't listen. And he just kind of looked at me all weird. It's like, and then I drove past you on Spruce Street and God told me to give you $20 again. And I didn't listen. Then God put you right in front of me, smacked me upside the head and said, give them $20. So here's your $20. And the guy just looked at me. I forget his name. His, his girlfriend's name was Haley. Um, and I started talking to him about their circumstance. Engagement without condemnation. Just like, hey, so what's going on? What, what's the story here? And he goes, we're both on SSI. We're not allowed to work but we don't make it enough money to rent an apartment. So we're forced to live this way because of the cost of living here in Skagit County is so high. I offered to pray for them and they let me. I prayed for them right there for everybody to see, praying for a homeless couple on the street, um, invited them to church. Uh, I, I haven't seen them since, but it's just crazy how God can say, hey, you've been shown mercy. Now it's your time to show some mercy when you least expect it. What's next? Blessed are the pure in heart, for they will see God. The only way I can possibly think of this one is, blessed are the pure in heart, for they shall see God, is with children. You know, not too long ago, my wife was putting... Uh, laying Quinn and Asher down. I had the baby out in the living room. And Quinn's in her bed, and Asher's up on his bed, and he's doing the poke his head over, poke his head over, poke his head over. And finally she's like, if you don't go to sleep, with that frustration, and he goes, okay, and he lays down, and then he starts talking again. She goes, Asher, what are you doing? And he goes, Mom, I'm talking to Jesus. So if we can approach our relationship with the heart of a child, to G if we can approach our relationship with Jesus with the heart of a child, then we will truly be pure in heart. Because a child has no reason to doubt his existence or his involvement in his life. So we should have no reason to doubt Jesus' ex existence or involvement in our lives. What's next? Blessed are the peacemakers, for they will be called children of God. Ooh, so what is a peacemaker? One who makes peace. Yes, one who makes peace. Our mediator? mediator? Yes. Mediator. Voice of reason. Voice of reason? I love that. What else is a peacemaker? Do they all carry guns? Do they? What about somebody who has a, a good de-escalation techniques? Is that a peacemaker? What'd you say, Rosemary? I'm sorry. Voice of love. Yes, yes. Has anybody here ever needed a peacemaker? 
needed a peacemaker? Yeah. Yeah. Does it always work? No. But when it does, it's amazing. Has anybody here ever been a peacemaker? Chris is, yeah, yeah. So. And one of the hardest times to be a peacemaker is when you are one of the parties involved. Yes, in yes. Yes, when you are a party involved is when it's virtually impossible to be the peacemaker because you don't want to lose that argument. At least I don't. Yeah. And that takes a lot of Yeah. What about you, Sharon? Have you ever been a peacemaker? Yeah. 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 Um my foster mother said one time, if you have to raise your voice, you've lost the battle. If you have to raise your voice, you've lost the battle. Oh, I'm gonna have to remember that. I'm gonna get that tattooed on my hand right here. You don't have any room left. I'll make room. I'll I'll do it in in, in I'll do it in a different color so it shines out. No, because I don't see my forehead when I'm angry because the last thing I want to do is go look in the mirror at myself and be, why are you being so dumb? <laughs> uh, the last time I got to be a peacemaker, and I say I got to is because I got to engage with some people, was I, we had some friends over for dinner, and most of you have been to my house. I live on a really quiet street right outside downtown Cedar Woolley. Not a lot happens at night. We're sitting there for dinner, and all of a sudden we just hear yelling. Like, what in the heck is this? Um, so one of our dinner guests, we couldn't figure out if it was coming from the front or the back. And one of our dinner guests goes out, goes out the back door into our, our carport area, and she's kind of listening. Um, and then you hear more yelling and more yelling, and I'm holding my baby, and I walk up and hand, it, hand the baby to my friend Patrick. And, and he's like, oh, I get the kid. I'm like, yeah, and I just walk outside with my hands in my pocket. And here's this guy yelling at this girl, screaming at the top of his lungs. And then he sees me come out and he's like, oh, I'm so sorry. I'm so sorry. I'm so sorry. And he comes and walks up to me. and He's just reeking of booze. This is an alcohol and fueled couple fight, right? Um, but just by stepping out into the situation, it got him to calm down. And I got to talk with him and introduce myself. And he goes, I'm just going to go home. She's going to go for a walk. It's like, I think that's the best plan. And he takes off and walks into some raspberry or some blackberry bushes and I pull him out. I'm like, the road's this way, buddy. He's like, he throws his hand up in the air and goes stomping away. And then, uh, um, but his girlfriend saw that kindness and she came over and shook my hand and said, thank you for coming out when you did. He's never been violent. Sometimes he just gets loud. And I just looked at her and I was like, you know, it's cool. You know, uh, sometimes things escalate quicker than we're ready for and you know sometimes it's good to have somebody else step in um, I'm one of the pastors in the area introduced myself and and uh, said have a nice night and she went for her walk and I haven't heard any yelling in front of my house since then it's been a couple of weeks um, what's what's uh, blessed are those who are uh, 
persecuted for righteousness sake for theirs is the kingdom of heaven I understand that we don't go through persecution the way that our Christian brothers and sisters did in the old world but we are still persecuted in, in different ways um, people that I used to be involved with in my old life look, di- look at me different and they look at me like I think I'm better than them because I got clean and sober and found God, which is not the case. I know I'm never more than two steps from being right where they are. And I live that with that every day. Um, so that is a small form of persecution because I want to just be relatable to them and, and be an example of like, hey, you too can step up out of your circumstance if you let us help you. Has anybody else here ever been persecuted? Yeah. Yeah. You know what I do when I'm, when I'm feeling persecuted or somebody's out to get me? I pray for them. Keeps me up at night, but I pray for them. And I think that's where the blessing comes in. Blessed are those who are persecuted. Uh, because we're actually taking a stand against the persecution with God and asking to, to bless them. Um, blessed are you when others revile you and persecute you and utter all kinds of evil against you falsely on my account. Rejoice and be glad, for your reward is great in heaven. For so they persecuted the prophets who were before you. I really don't know how to tie that into today's context. I just see a lot of, you know, I see just a lot of misguided actions with what's happening in Christianity today. Um, And all I know how to do is pray and pray for them and ask for God's justice with what's happening, not mine, not ours. Thanks, everybody. Father, thank you for this day. Thank you for uh, Jesus' teaching and the way he, he flipped it on its head with sitting down and becoming a member of the people instead of being a, a commander of people. Um, thank you for this group today. Thank you for everybody here. Uh, please be with us as we move into this crazy, crazy season that you have called us to. In Jesus' name, amen.